You know, it's, it, you might be wondering how last week we announced that Kyle's full-time, and now he's not here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But he, uh, he had set up uh, months ago to go backpacking this weekend with some friends, so that's where he is. But I, trust me, he will be here next week. So, <coughs> But Josiah, you do a great job leading us, so thank you. Hey, a couple things. Uh, uh, yesterday, I was really honored to be a part of, or to just go and uh, observe a couple guys from our church who made Eagle Scout, and that's a really great thing, but um, neither of them are here at this service, I don't think, but um, uh, Adam Mushler and Grant McGarvey both made Eagle Scout, and we were a part of their code of honor yesterday, so if you see those guys or know those families, um, make sure you uh, say something to those boys, because that's quite an accomplishment to be an Eagle Scout, so it was a good thing. And then uh, last week, uh, Jack Jackson preached, and uh, hopefully if you were here, you were able to listen to him. If not, go onto our website and listen to his message, because it's a very important message for us. It was about um, faith sharing. How do we as the church take our faith and live our faith in such a way that, that people are drawn to know Jesus? Because ultimately, that's what the church is about. I mean, it's great to gather as God's people. It's wonderful to worship. But as God's people, we need to be about helping others come to know Jesus and have others come to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And so that was a really important message, I think, last week. Um, like he said, he's, doing a, he's teaching other churches how to do this, and I think we'll have him teach us how to do this well and take advantage of, of who he is and what he's doing. So that was really, really important. All right, so, um, so we're in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're in the very beginning of it, the, kind of the second line. And the more I have, I have gone over this prayer and studied this prayer and prayed this prayer in these weeks as I've studied, the more difficult this prayer has become for me. Really. Um, I was reminded this week at the end of Colossians chapter 4, Paul's writing, and, he, and he's talking about um, Epaphras who has come to him, has brought the letter from the Colossians, he's going to send back, and he says this about Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is a servant of the Lord and one of your own, he wrestles in prayer for you. And I think that that is such a great image of what prayer is. And for me this week, this, the Lord's Prayer has become one that I have to wrestle with. And I hope that you will wrestle with these words today as we look through this. So here's the line we're on. It's the second line. It's, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not easy to pray those words. This is the beginning, the beginning of the prayer, which, which our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the first of what uh, commentators call the first three petitions. There's three petitions in these two lines that we are asking of God. First one is what we looked at a couple weeks ago, that hallowed be your name. What's interesting about all of these is that they are strong-worded petitions. It's not may your kingdom come, it is your kingdom come. It's not may your will be done, it is your will be done. Right, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. Those are the first three petitions in this prayer, and they are all God-centered petitions. And uh, with the tagline at the end of on earth as it is in heaven, 
commentators say basically that it is for all three of these. So what we are praying is, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That this is how we are beginning this prayer, this prayer that many of us maybe memorized as kids that is prayed in, in churches all the time. But this is what we are praying Reminder to us from a couple weeks ago that hallowed means that it's holy and you're set apart. We are basically asking God that he would be set above us as high and holy, central and important, and so as to be God and that we would be his people in the world. That when we are hallowing his name, we are putting him in his right position and we are saying, Lord, you are more important than anything else. You see why we have to wrestle with this? You see why this is not an easy prayer to pray? That I'm truly putting you in the most important place. And I thought about this week, if we hallowed his name on earth that is in heaven, what is it looking, what is it like in heaven right now? What does it look like for us to hallowed his name as it is in heaven right now? And, and fortunately, in Re the book of Revelation, <clears throat> John gives us a picture of what it's like in heaven. A little glimpse, kind of the, the veil is, is pulled back a little bit and gives us a picture of here's what's going on in heaven right now. And so my thought is, if that's what's going on in heaven, if this is how God is being hallowed in heaven, what it, would it be like for us to do it that way now? So in Revelation chapter 4, John again is given this picture and there's there's this incredible picture of a throne in the middle and 24 thrones around him. And it says that there's um, these, these uh, four creatures that never stop. This is what it says. It says, day and night they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and they have their being. This incredible picture of what worship is like in heaven this incredible picture of what it means to actually hallowed God's name in heaven. And so if we are to hallowed his name on earth as it is in heaven, this is what it should look like. That when we gather on Sunday mornings, when we have an opportunity to sing as Josiah has led us today or as Kyle does on other weeks, it should be this incredible opportunity to actually put God in his right position. That we would sing in such a way that he is honored and as above all other things. And so to hallow it, his name is one way as we do that is in worship. The other way we do it is in the way we live our lives, right? That we, we want to live our life in such a way that we give God a good name. That the name of God is honored by our lives. That as Christians live their lives and as people look, they say, man, God is good. Look how good he is. 
And so this is what it means to hallowed God's name on earth as it is in heaven. And then the second phrase is that we would pray, your kingdom come. We're praying and asking for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing to kind of ask ourselves is, what is a kingdom? Like, we have not lived under a king in a long time here. Kind of ever since we got rid of the Brits and King George and all that, we haven't actually had a king here on our, though there are some that would like to be named king, I believe, um, in our political world these days. But um, we, are, we don't know what a king is. Really, a, a king, when, when you're named king, you are in charge. What you say goes. You ask someone to do something, they do it. A kingdom also has subjects. That would be us in this kingdom of God. And so what we are asking and what we're saying, when we're saying your kingdom come, we are saying, Lord, we want you to be king of everything. We want you to be in charge of everything. We want your name to be uh, uplifted, and we want what you say to be done. That's what it means when we say your kingdom come. <clears throat> there are um, really three different ways most commentators and biblical scholars look at this prayer and this statement of a kingdom say that we, what you could mean by praying this in our world today. The first way is what's called an um, eschatological way. And that's kind of a big word that really means the final establishment of God's rule over all creation. That when you pray this, you're praying, Lord, we want you to come back. Will you come back and make your kingdom here on earth? Whatever that's like, a new heavens and a new earth, or taking us to heaven, or whatever it might be. But we are praying that you would come back and set your rule and your reign here on earth. That there would be justice and there would be your righteousness and all the evil would be done with and there would be no more tears and no more death. That is what we pray in an eschatological way for this. Uh, one of the great commentators I love to read, especially... He has these incredible commentators, uh, commentaries on Matthew. Is a guy named Dale Bruner. And Dale Bruner says that when he was younger, it was difficult to pray the Lord's Prayer with this thought in mind. Because A, he felt like he had a lot of living he still wanted to do. And if you're praying for God to return and it gets done and we're over, it's like, okay, we're done. For Dale Bruner, it was like he had more books he wanted to write. He had his family he wanted to see grow up. I mean, you can sense how that'd be a hard, it is hard for some of us to pray this way. And then the second thing he thought of that's difficult to pray is because then the missionary activity of the church would end, he thought. That no longer would people be able to be brought into the church. No longer would people be able to be drawn to a relationship with Christ. That once Jesus returns, it's like it is done. It's over. His kingdom on earth is created. And so this is what it means, though, when we pray in an eschatological way. And I think a lot of us think this way, that when we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying, Jesus, come, return. We're ready for you to come back. And sometimes when we look at how difficult the world is, how hard it is, that is our prayer. Lord, may you return and set your kingdom up right now in this way. 
The second way that this kingdom is thought about is from what is called kind of a social justice way of looking at things. It's like, may your kingdom begin to be known on earth now. You know, when Jesus came, he uh, started his ministry with these words, right? It said, uh, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That when he came into and started his work with his disciples and others, that he began what is now the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth. <clears throat> and when he began to preach the gospel of grace to people, that began to draw people into this kingdom that he was creating on earth. He modeled how a loyal subject lives in the kingdom of God. He lived how under the rule of his father, this is how you now live. He healed people and he brought hope and he brought lost, helped lost people find their way and when there was brokenness, he would bind them up and he, would, um, he showed the ungodly structures for what they were, right? That Jesus started his kingdom on earth and it continues to grow and expand and it begins to take a little bit of Satan's kingdom away from him. That that is a picture of, of how what we pray, your kingdom come, can mean now. You know, a lot of Jesus' parables that he talked about were about this kingdom, and it was a, a great mystery of how the kingdom grew. Parables about a seed being planted, and it's the smallest seed, like a mustard seed, but it grows into this great tree or a parable about a, or a farmer that scattered seed in a field and some of it grew and some of it didn't. So there was this great mystery about what the kingdom of God is like. But in Jesus' way, he was saying, I am bringing God's kingdom to earth now. And so when we pray this way, we're praying that Jesus would do the same thing now in our own communities. That Jesus would do the same thing in our own countries and in the world is that that his kingdom would begin to grow, that the preaching of the gospel would continue to grow and it would transform lives and would transform communities. So when you pray your kingdom come, it could either be eschatological, come bring your kingdom, or it could be may your kingdom that has started out as a seed, Jesus, continue to grow and make a difference. Or the third way people say that this could be is kind of personal. May your kingdom be known in me. May you actually reign in my life. May you actually reign in my heart. In Luke uh, 17, verses 20 to 21, uh, it says this. It says, once <clears throat> on being asked by the Pharisees where, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the, kingdom, uh, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, what's interesting is if in your translations, it might actually say, because the kingdom of God is within you. I noticed this this week that the NIV kind of goes back and forth on this. It's either in your midst or it's in you. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is what God is doing in your life. Truth of the matter is that Jesus must reign in our lives. 
That's not about something that we're just hoping will happen out there, but it has to begin with my own life. In Romans 14, Paul's having kind of a dialogue about the kingdom and about uh, not judging others and uh, should you eat this or eat that or not eat this or follow these rules or what should you do, all these sort of things that are kind of out there periphery. And he says this in Romans 14, 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, what you might eat or might not drink, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That what the kingdom of God really is about is in my life, do I experience righteousness, the right way of living? Do I experience God's peace and joy through what the Holy Spirit is doing in me. So this is really hard to pray. Your kingdom come? In some ways it's easy to think, yeah, your kingdom come out there. Your kingdom come happen over there. But to really pray, Lord, your kingdom come here is hard. Because I want the kingdom to be the kingdom of dawn. Don't we? I mean, really? I mean, you don't want the kingdom of dawn. You want the kingdom of whoever you are. You don't want me to be your king, okay? Let me just say that again. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we all want the kingdom to be ourselves. We kind of want to do what we want to do. We want people to do what we say they should do. We want kids to clean their rooms, you know, that sort of thing, right? We, we, want the, we want the kingdom to be about what I want. And it's really hard to pray this way. No, Lord, your kingdom, your kingdom. And that's why I think it continues, right? Then it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That what the Lord's prayer does, and, and really what... So much of our spiritual life is about and what all the spiritual disciplines are supposed to do is that it's supposed to align my will with God's will. That I actually would want to do and be who God wants me to be. And then uh, one commentator wrote this about this line, uh, your will be done. It says, it is the ardent desire of the person who sincerely breathes the Lord's prayer that the Father's will shall be obeyed as completely, heartily, and immediately on earth as this is constantly being done by all the inhabitants of heaven. That when we pray, your will be done, we really are praying, Lord, as it is done in heaven, and in heaven, God is king. He rules. What he says happens. And the same thing should be true of here on earth and in my life. Once again, Jesus is this beautiful example of one who, um, who understood what this meant and who lived this way, that his will was under the, the will of the Father. And you notice this. When you start to look for it, you see it all over, especially in the Gospel of John. John chapter 4, Jesus says this. It's after uh, Jesus has had this conversation with the Samaritan woman and his disciples bring food back and they say, hey, eat something. And this is what he says. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
that the most important thing in my life is to do what the Father has told me to do. John chapter 5. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. I only want to please the Father. John chapter 6. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those that he's given to me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Time and time again in the Gospels, we see Jesus saying, hey, I only want to do the will of my Father. That's why I've been sent. I look to him and he tells me what to do and I do it. And then it comes to a conclusion right on the day that Jesus, the night that Jesus is betrayed and he's arrested and he's in the garden, right? Matthew 26. Going a little further, he fell down on his face with the ground, the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. That Jesus' whole life was all about doing the will of the Father, even to the end. Even when he faced the cross, even when he knew what that, where that was leading him, his prayer was, not my will, but yours be done. This is not an easy prayer to pray. Dallas Willard says this, uh, he says, uh, single-minded and joyous devotion to God and his will, to what God wants for us and to service to him and to others because of him is what the will transformed into Christ-likeness looks like. That when I allow Christ to change my will, to change my heart, then it will be joyous devotion to God and his will. That there wouldn't be anything else I'd rather do than to do what God wants me to do. That there wouldn't be any sort of thing that I, I just, I'm so excited to do what you want me to do, Father. That we continually pray this way. Your will be done in my life. Show me what to do. We find God's will as we read a scripture. We find out what God's will for us as we pray and as we listen we experience God's will as we're with other believers and we talk and we are in fellowship and we uh, encourage one another and we listen to each other. We know what God's will is as we see the circumstances that happen around us and we ask God, are you in the middle of this? Are you leading me this way? What is your, that you're doing? And then we pray, Lord, your will be done in my life. Here's where I sense you're leading me. May I be obedient to what you want to do. So you wrestle with this prayer. You wrestle with these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is how we pray this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my family. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my neighborhood. Your kingdom come, your will be done at work. 
your kingdom come, your will be done in my city, in my nation, in my world. But you have to really wrestle with this because it is not easy to say. So we apply this. We go to the beginning of this prayer and we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we begin our prayers like this, what we're saying is this. God, you're my Father. I believe that you are good and your ways are right. And I will trust you as I pray. I will trust you. As I bring my requests before you, and that's where we'll go after this next week. I'll trust you. I'll trust you with my life, with my family, with my work, with my school, with whatever's going on. But we begin prayer with this incredible beginning of focusing on who God is and what he desires to do in us through our prayer. So let's pray. So Lord, we do, we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom and your will be done in me. Come before you right now, Lord. We just ask that your kingdom and your will would be known to us. That we would say yes. That we would learn what it means to trust you that we would learn what it means to be obedient. We would learn what it means to follow you and to say yes. To persevere, Lord, even when it's hard and difficult. Help us to know you, to know you so well. To know you so well that we can trust you with our prayers. We can trust you with our needs, and we can trust you with our life. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray.